Welcome to the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast. This is the podcast that helps parents and especially those caring for a child with a chronic health condition to balance supporting your child's mental health with maintaining your own emotional health. Hello there, this is Dr. Adidayo Alugo from St. John Cap. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Here at St. John Cap, I empower youth mental health by providing education to parents, teachers, and caregivers. I'm the host of the Walking on Eggshells with Dr. Tolu podcast, where I help parents of kids who have a chronic health condition to manage their own emotional health. I also provide emotional health awareness information to kids using the Emotional Ambassador Program. So today I have Dr. Sadaf Lodi with me. I'm going to get her to introduce herself. Today we're going to be discussing a very important topic, improving relationships by starting with ourselves, starting with me. So um, I'm going to get her to introduce herself and then we'll just jump right into the conversation. If you're catching this as a replay, um, please hashtag replay and be sure to like, share, subscribe and, um, you know, just share with your network. Thank you. So Dr. Lodi, thank you very much for joining us today. I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to us. Hi, well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Dr. Alugo. Uh, my name is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I am a board certified OBGYN that's practicing in the States here. And uh, I am also a sex and intimacy coach that focuses on helping women empower themselves and um, via uh, establishing sexual confidence so that they can find more pleasure in their relationships. Great. It's great to have you here. So now I'm going to talk about women because I mean, most of the parents that, that really follow us or listen to this pod, um, podcast are the women. So I'm wondering, you know, are there common things that affect women, you know, from getting the best from relationships, whether intimate or distant relationships? What are the common barriers? Sure, sure. Absolutely. So what are the most um common challenges that women have, generally speaking, in terms of feeling, let's say, empowered uh, just in their intimate relationships is that their thoughts that they have are surrounding intimacy, whether it's physical intimacy or emotional intimacy, that often it's our thoughts that keep us back. They hold us back. And so if we think about it, we know, and you're a psychiatrist, so you know all about cognitive behavioral therapy. But for those people that don't know, we know that, you know, it's our thoughts that result into our emotions and our feelings, and then those create the actions. And so oftentimes what I see and what clients come to me for are their thoughts around intimacy and sometimes women find that it's embarrassing or that it's wrong or shameful or something like that. And so those thoughts inhibit them from establishing or having a more um, satisfying relationship with their partner or spouse. And oftentimes we know that women 
are just so busy with even just household chores and with children that they find sex to be just another thing or even just relationships, right? So the physical intimacy comes later. It's just establishing that relationship, that intimacy with their partner. And we find that that is often placed on the back burner, especially if they're taking care of children and especially children that may have a chronic disease. I myself have a child that has cerebral palsy. And so I know and I understand what it can be to take care of a child that has a chronic illness or something that they're born with. And so it does take a lot of energy. And so when you yourself are depleted, you just don't have that, you know, that energy to engage in something more than just even just taking care of yourself, right? So it's hard to put forth that energy and that uh, effort that it takes to build a relationship that you feel secure and confident and comfortable in. Exactly. I'm so much about women caring for themselves because you can only give what you have. And just like if you're on a plane and we keep telling you, put on your own face mask first before you help your child. So if you're caring for a child with a chronic health condition and you don't, you know, really fill in your own cup, then really you can't give a lot to that child. And that's why it's important to have these conversations. And, and thank you for that answer. So I'm wondering, are these challenges more common in women from an ethnic minority or who have um, particular religious backgrounds? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, what I've noticed is that women that tend to grow up, well, to be to be fair, though, I will say that most um, communities and even society at large doesn't really feel comfortable talking about intimate relationships or physical intimacy. And that a lot of communities that say are perhaps more conservative, you know, will definitely not talk about the conversation about sex and or intimate relationships and really about relationships. So how do we get past that, right? Oftentimes women find that it's dirty, wrong, shameful, and or they're not experienced and they just don't feel comfortable with their bodies. They may have grown up with sex negativity and then those thoughts get ingrained and then lead women to avoid situations where they might feel vulnerable or even result in something that's called vaginismus, where if for some of your listeners that don't know what that is, that's a condition where and the muscles around the vagina tighten up in anticipation of some type of penetration. It can just be either a physical exam, it can be a tampon, it can be penile vaginal intercourse, it can be any of those things. And so a lot of times our thoughts are what are creating our behaviors. And so if we have a lot of those negative thoughts, they'll result in negative behaviors. And what I've also found is that a lot of it has to do with giving yourself permission. So if you give yourself permission to find out about how to increase intimacy with your partner or your spouse, right? If you give yourself permission to learn about things that will improve your relationship with not only yourself, but with your family and with others, then you can go ahead and go on that journey. But oftentimes it's women or us or individuals that hold themselves back and don't give ourselves the permission. And so we always, we stay stuck in that mentality of thinking that, you know, physical intimacy is wrong. 
Well, I, I like the you know, that, that phrase, giving yourself permission. I think that really that's really where it starts from, not just what yeah. your society thinks, but yeah. the, those those um, barriers are so ingrained that we don't even give ourselves permission yeah. to, you yeah. know, to even allow ourselves to experience things fully. So, what are the, some of this? What are some of the strategies we can use to be unstuck to give ourselves permission? How do, where do we start from? Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think the first thing to do, right, is to even realize, just even acknowledge that we have a certain mindset. Oftentimes when you talk to people who are so set in their ways, they don't even acknowledge that, you know, that there's a problem. Right. And I think in psychiatry, perhaps, you know, you may also see that is that the first step is always to see that there is a problem or, you know, but then I, I, I should step back a little bit and say that, you know, not everyone sees it as a problem, right? We have a, people that are asexual that don't have any desire and don't see it as a problem. There are people that are demisexual that only become, only start to have, um, sexual thoughts after they establish an emotional connection with another person. Otherwise, they don't feel attracted to that person just based on looks. Um, and so if it's not a problem for you, then it's then it's not a problem. But for those people that consider, for example, low libido or low desire or something like that to be a problem, then it's to acknowledge first that there is an issue there and then to go ahead and seek help. So I think that's the first step. The second thing I would do is accepting and loving yourself as you are now, right? And I think that that in itself is sometimes so difficult for people to do. We're always so critical with ourselves. And then when we are so critical with ourselves and unhappy, then we tend to spill that over into our other relationships. So I think what's important is to show yourself kindness and compassion first. It's also to accept yourself and love yourself as you are right now. I think also that realizing that love and intimacy will look different as we age is also really important. Oftentimes women say that they are experiencing decreased desire or they don't think that there's any spontaneity, you know, and then they think back to the time when perhaps when they were younger and they were in a new relationship and everything seemed so new and, you know, there's tons of spontaneity, but you have to remember that even with that relationship at that time, you know, when you were to go out on a date, you planned it, you thought about it, you thought about it for days, right? You thought about what you were going to wear, where you were going to go eat, what you were going to do, how you were going to look, you know, would you get your hair done? Would you get your makeup done? All those things, right? So there was a bit of planning, although it may have seemed spontaneous. So as we now fast forward into the future, you know, and we're with a long-term spouse, those kind of things, the spontaneity seems to have dwindled. And, you know, when we say, oh, set up a date night, oftentimes people will be like, oh, well, that's not spontaneous. You know, that takes away the romance. But it actually doesn't. If you have something to look forward to, if you plan it, that actually can create that desire and that anticipation that you may feel that you want, that you need. Also, writing down what you want. I think communication is so, so important in any relationship. And there have been multiple studies that have shown that the number one indicator of whether or not women are satisfied in their relationships is communication. So that's why communication is so, so important because, you know, we haven't gotten to the point yet where people can read our minds, right? So it's important for us to tell them what we want. And when we are able to fully communicate what we want, then we definitely will be more happy. 
also making time, like I said, for, you know, that sexual relationship that you want with your partner, creating date nights, making it, scheduling it into your calendar. I think that, you know, when we are busy in work, oftentimes family takes a backseat. We don't, we don't, you know, create that time. We don't create that space for them. And then I feel that it's not only our family that loses out, but we also miss out on that relationship that we want, but we just don't take the time to develop. Wow. And, and, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and then, you know, intimacy doesn't have to be physical, right? We know that. Intimacy can be any of the small gestures. It can be just holding hands. It can be doing activities together. It can be cooking together. It can even be just sharing, just looking at your partner's, your partner's eyes. And they say for like six minutes, two to six minutes, just to create that little bit of discomfort, right? So when you're staring at somebody, you know, they'll, they'll look at you and be like, why are you staring at me? <laughs> right? But you, you know, it creates that emotional intimacy. It creates that vulnerability that you need to create that deeper connection between your spouse or your partner. Wow, those are great nudges. I've just taken a couple of notes. I'm just going to try and recap just for somebody who's just catching this um, broadcast later on. So you said accepting yourself, you know, looking after your own emotional health, um, accepting that there's a problem, identifying the pro that there's a problem, um, accepting yourself, accepting the changes that come with age, planning. You know, sometimes spontaneity isn't really what's um, is it really practical? So planning it, having date nights, communicating, writing down what you want, non-physical intimacy. So the little gestures that also bring us closer to our partners. So those are some of the strategies and those are great, great tips. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, for somebody with a girl child who's trying to raise a child to be body positive, but also to be conservative or to be safe, how do you approach that and what where's the balance absolutely 100 percent. so i think this is such a great question because i feel that a lot of us don't know how to navigate that space right so i think what's important is to empower our children through education we have to start by knowing and understanding what our own thoughts are around sex and then how those thoughts are serving us. If they're negative, then do we want to become more positive? And if we do, how do we go about changing that? And how do we become unbiased and maybe even neutral, right? Kids are much smarter than we were at their age. And the average age for first exposure to porn is actually 11 years old. I mean, that is so young. First, I think that it's never too early to speak to your children about their bodies and create that sex positivity. You don't have to have like a sex talk with them at five, at five years of age. But what you should do is at least, you know, speak about the parts of the body without judgment and labeling them correctly, naming the anatomical part by the name. So that, God forbid, if there's any type of molestation or abuse that occurs, your child is going to know how to ask you for help and they'll be able to tell you the exact body part that was, you know, perhaps touched or violated or whatever. But that's why it's important to use the proper terminology so that your children are empowered to have that vocabulary so that they can share if there's any type of 
the problems that arise or come up as they are getting older. Also, it's very important for us to make sure that when we talk about the changes that happen through life, that we don't pathologize it, right? We don't make it out to be a problem. Instead, we talk about the awe and the beauty of the body and how the different changes in life happen and how it allows us to grow and to learn about ourselves. And I think that if we're given information and we provide that information for our children as they get older, I really don't believe it's going to encourage them to have sex. I believe that it will just empower them to have agency over their own sexuality. Wow, those are great tips. And I didn't even think of that um, aspect of looking for help with their violated. But you're right, really, you know, labeling the body parts so that they know, you know, if they need to talk to a trusted adult, that, that's very important information because it can be a really difficult one for parents to navigate. So those tips are very helpful. So for a woman who's kind of been held back, who's from a culture where it's a taboo to talk about, you know, sexual feelings or intimacy or, you know, the body shaming, how can she seek help? How do we move things forward? Right, absolutely. Well, like you know, like we talked about before, the first thing is to know that there is a problem, and if you feel like there's a problem, you had to acknowledge that, right? And so, also, then I think what they should do is seek out a provider, or perhaps so. There's definitely sex therapists. There are sex coaches. I'm a coach. Um, there are definitely people out there that can help them to uncover the root problem or you know, what they may consider a problem, right? So not everyone thinks it's a problem, but if somebody is having that sex negativity and they actually want to seek help and want to create, change those thoughts from negative to positive, then they should definitely seek out a provider, a therapist, a psychiatrist, or a coach, somebody that can help them move forward to whatever their goals are and help them to change their thoughts so that those thoughts change from a negative thought to a positive thought regarding sex, and then that'll create a certain emotion, which will then lead to an action that's more in line with what their values are and what they hold important. Great. That's that's fantastic. So you've mentioned that you're a coach. I know you're based in New York. So where, where can we find you if we're looking to follow you and you sure, know sure. your services and all of that? Absolutely. So I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Dr. Sabbath OBGYN. That's D R S A D A F OBGYN. And then also I have a website. It's um, www.drsabbath.com. So those are probably the easiest ways to get in touch with me. I also have a podcast called the Muslim Sex Podcast. Where I what? Can you spell that for me? I'm just going to put this on the, on, on the screen. Sure. It's M-U-S-L-I-M, Muslim Sex Podcast. So three words. And I have, I believe I'm on episode 60 now. So I've been doing podcasts for the past year. And you can go there and see all of the different positions that I've had on there. I've had intimacy coaches. I've had psychiatrists. I've had infertility specialists. I've had a lactation consultant on. I talk about everything obstetrics and gynecology and everything in between. We talk about relationships. We talk about different aspects of coaching. So it's all there. You can find it on 
um, YouTube under Muslim Sex Podcast, or you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Okay, great. That's fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Before I let you go, do you have any last sort of advice for any woman or, you know, a parent who's struggling in this area? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so just like what you said, you know, one of the most important things is giving yourself permission to experience pleasure in all your relationships. It's important for us to prioritize ourselves as we prioritize our families and our children. And I'd like to leave your listeners with ways to increase intimacy. So as we know, there's four different types of intimacy. There's experiential, intellectual, emotional, and sexual. So with intellectual intimacy, we talk about communicating your likes, your wants, your desires, and exchange of ideas or discussion. For experiential, we talk about creating time and prioritizing each other. So for example, creating those date nights, creating experiences together and doing activities together, even just taking a walk outside and holding hands together. You know, that can be great in creating that intimacy. Of course, we have that physical intimacy, right? So that is the one that takes place and you find that deeper connection with your spouse. You have your emotional intimacy, which is establishing, basically establishing trust in your relationship through honesty and sharing your innermost feelings or form of spiritual connection. And then, of course, you always want to show appreciation, whether it's doing small gestures, making breakfast, buying flowers, whatever it is. It could just be even just sharing a hug or a cuddle on the couch, any of those things that create a bond between you and your spouse. We know that spending time together can be more challenging, especially when you're dealing with children that may have a chronic illness, but we know that's definitely very important. And like I said before, you can take a walk, you can have dinner together, you can make a meal together, anything that allows you to focus and spend time with that individual person without other distractions, right? So you put away your phone, you turn off the laptop, you turn off all the other distractions. And so you're only focusing on your partner and practicing mindfulness, right? Mindfulness is just the act of focusing on the present without any type of judgment. And it can be great just to get some clarity in your day. So you can start by journaling and beginning your day with journaling and being present with your partner. And practicing mindfulness when you're with them, it will definitely increase your arousal and desire, but also your connection with your spouse and your partner so that the time you spend together can be more meaningful. Wow. wow, thank you very much for those tips. This, I mean, this has been a blockbuster session. There's yeah. so much packed into this couple of minutes. So, I mean, if you're catching this broadcast, please share it with your network. Um, you know, provide comments in the feed in the um, feedback in the comment section. Please come back and you know, like, share, subscribe. Follow me on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. Follow Dr. Sadaf as well. Share the information because information is power, and the more knowledge we have the better our lives you know turn out at the end of the day um so thank you very much dr sada for joining us today i really appreciate this and hopefully i can have you back again because i'm sure we still have loads to talk about i really yeah. appreciate you being here today thank you so much i really appreciate you and all that you are doing so thank you so much for having me on thank you thank you bye everyone bye thank you for listening to today's podcast 
Looking forward to having you join me on the next episode. Till then, don't forget to share this with your friends and neighbours and to follow me on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube where I am known as St. John Cap. That is St. John Cap with a double P. See you soon.